Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's episode that is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in the episode. And we might have a few options for the Ultra Moment, Frank. The Bucks win it. 109 to 103 they were down by a fair margin in the fourth quarter as we've seen many times before with this team they continue to grind they continue to push and as we've seen many times throughout this postseason also Chris Middleton came through with some clutch buckets down the stretch Giannis came up with one of the greatest blocks I've ever seen in my whole entire damn life Middleton had 40 Giannis had 26 points 14 rebounds eight assists three steals two blocks there is a lot to work through with this game. But if you felt, Frank, that the first three games potentially didn't feel like they had the anxiety or the tense nature of an NBA Finals game, I think it all came back in a rush with this game. This, this was stressful. This was a stressful night watching the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> I, I mean, if you had an, a camera of me by myself in my living room watching <laughs> the last you know, quarter, um, I don't know what you would make of my sanity. Um, when Middleton hit those those back-to-back shots, um, you know, what, two minutes left, about 130 left. Um, I mean, I was like, you know, full like Thanasis, uh, rage, happiness, anger, pumped up, fist pumping, double fist pumping, um, relief, anxiety, like, you know, every emotion I feel like was <laughs> was experienced by probably everybody that watched, probably from both sides that watched that game tonight. But in particular, obviously, Bucks fans getting to feel the elation of ultimately coming away with, um, you know, a, a a close win, the kind of win that people have been saying for, I mean, years really, right? For basically, ever since the Bucks have been good, there have been these questions about. Who's the Bucks closer? Or are the Bucks? Can you trust the Bucks late in games and clutch situations? You know what are they going to do? Blah blah blah. Right? We've heard this story so many times. And honestly, for you know, for long stretches, it's been a fair criticism. You know, uh, especially early in the season. I mean, they lost, including twice to the Suns. They lost close games and just sort of felt like, man, maybe they just don't have that. You know, maybe maybe the, it's just you don't don't have that that guy, right? And in these playoffs they really have been different. You know, they have been a team starting with game one of the first round where Middleton and the Bucks shake off that really, really bad start to this, to the playoffs against the heat. Middleton hits that game winning jump shot. Um, ever since then we saw it, you know, they, they obviously had the one game that they blew, you know, game five uh, against the nets, but you know, you look at them otherwise, um, 
really other than that game and then you know probably the the first game against Atlanta right like where they they kind of just didn't get offensive rebounds late but this has been a team that has really shown that they can rise from the rise of the occasion and and come back in fourth quarters too right I mean we saw them down in the fourth quarter in game seven on the road against the Brooklyn Nets and they they don't fold they they have a they're a team that has been resilient all year whether it's when they're down in series, whether it's when they're down in games, um, you know, again, like it, I, I, I feel almost kind of corny saying it because, you know, again, these are all millionaires that I don't know, right? but I'm, I'm as a fan, I'm just really proud of the way that they've responded to adversity throughout these playoffs and they haven't let stuff get them down. And tonight I think they went down by nine twice in the fourth quarter and they shot the ball. Like, garbage for most of the game uh but they made plays tonight in that fourth quarter they made plays on both ends and chris middleton ultimately was you know the guy that um that hit those big shots but you know you had Giannis um defensively i thought the suns did it you know very clearly they did not want Giannis to beat them in the way that he has the last two games they doubled him much more quickly they tried to get the ball out of his hands he had that weird like first quarter where he wanted out basically right away. Cause again, it seemed like maybe his blood was pumping too fast. And then they took like two minutes to get him out of the game. And it was almost like they were ignoring him for most of the first quarter, but he ends up having a big, big game on both ends. And man, I, Chris Middleton, I mean, every friggin' series, he has one or two of these games he usually has two, two of these games per series. Right. So, so he owes us one more game, I think um, where he just goes nuts <laughs> and puts the team on his back. But you know, again, is Chris going to give you 25 points every night like clockwork? No. He's going to have games where you're going to want more from him. We saw it, particularly in game two. But Chris fucking Middleton just dropped 40 goddamn points in the NBA Finals to win a game <laughs> that the Bucks absolutely needed to have. I think he had 14 in the fourth quarter. I mean, Jesus, if that isn't, you know, if that isn't like what kids dream about doing, you know, let alone like, you know, people like us dream of seeing our, our, our favorite players do. Um, but that's just, I mean, that's just the stuff that, um, that every player dreams about being able to do. And for him to do it again, this series, after having those big games, those two huge games in, in the Hawks series, a couple huge games in the net series and to now shake off, you know, kind of very subdued, let's say game two and you know a good game three but not an outstanding one for him to put the team on his back especially on a night where just nothing seemed to be working and they were seemed to be getting into their stuff slowly and drew holiday was just a nightmare shooting the ball um that was just awesome and you know Giannis, even on a night where again they they i thought the suns did a good job taking the ball out of his hands you know he still ends up with 26 points 14 rebounds eight assists what do you have three blocks and two steals or two steals and three blocks, whatever it was, three, three steals, two blocks. And I mean, I, I, I thought I, it was going to be hard for him to top the block he had in game one, um, you know, the, the LeBron clone block. But for him to come back with one of the most impressive blocks you're going to see in one of the most crucial situations you're going to see, bucks up two, and he makes just an incredible reaction play to block DeAndre Ayton, um, you know, again, when you shoot poorly, you need to do things on both ends. And I thought the Bucks again, defensively, they've been able to grind and keep themselves in games all playoffs when they've been poor. And tonight they did it again and they did it just long enough to let Chris Middleton bail them out and 
carry them to another win. It's good timing to talk about the Giannis block because it is the Mikulov Ultra moment of the week or moment of the day, moment of the night, whatever you want to call it. And I've just been sitting here watching replays of this block and his actual starting position when he decides that, oh boy, they're throwing a lob. I got to do something about this. He was near the free throw line when he first changed his direction there as he was sort of looking to cover Devin Booker from getting to a comfortable spot in the mid-range. And then he turned his entire back and he wasn't even facing the ball. So the timing of this block is just absolutely extraordinary because he wasn't actually watching the ball. It was all based on the movements of DeAndre Ayton and then catching the ball uh, as he caught it in midair and then swatting that block. I don't know where it sits all time. Clearly right now, as it's, it's happened just minutes earlier here, we're going to be talking about that as an all-time block. But it has to be. And, and you're right. I also agree that I thought that that block in game one was was as crazy as it was. Everyone made the comparisons to LeBron block. This one is obviously different, but given the stakes, given the moment in the NBA finals, I have that one uh, even higher, which is just absolutely ridiculous. But that is the Mikulov Ultra moment of the finals so far for me. And remember, with Mikulov Ultra, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. Yeah, it's the whole game. And uh, Giannis with that big block. Mikola Baltra moment of the night. Today on Road to the Finals, our NBA Finals coverage is brought to you by Mikola Baltra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season and there was lots of fascinating moments in this game uh, different lineups that we saw some were forced some weren't forced Brook Lopez in early foul trouble will obviously get to Devin Booker and the foul situation there with him but I you, you mentioned Chris Middleton and the way that he's delivered and this was kind of what I brought up on the last podcast that we spoke and I questioned why Devin Booker is seen as this guy that is just consistently reliable and he's going to have these big nights And I mentioned this to you before we started recording, but I must admit, in the first half, I was kind of sinking into my couch a little bit at home and I was thinking, oh no, you you haven't done this. Booker's going to drop 50 in this game. The Suns are going to go 3-1 up. And Chris Middleton started the game pretty well. He was sort of the one guy that was consistently able to score, but he wasn't going off like Devin Booker. Ultimately, he did. Booker with 42 points. Chris had the 40 there. But for me, and you mentioned some of the moments, but for me, when you think about the big games for Chris Middleton, they've always come in the biggest moments. I've just got his game log up here. So 27 points in that game one against Miami that you pointed to, obviously hit the game winner uh, in that one there. Against Brooklyn in game three, that rock fight, he had 35 points and 15 rebounds in a game that the Bucs just simply had to have. How about game six facing elimination? 38 points, 10 rebounds in that one. Hit the game winner in game seven in overtime. Series tied 1-1 on the road in Atlanta. All right, I'll drop 38-11-7. That sounds good. Game six without Giannis, 26-13-8. Game seven without Giannis, uh, sorry, game six without Giannis. The previous one was game five. Game six without Giannis, I'll drop another 32. And then tonight, uh, he has this 40-point effort. For me, when you look at this run, you're, there's always going to be people that are going to be able to look at Chris Middleton and say, yeah, but what about that seven for 15 night he had? Only 19 points against Brooklyn in game four. And it's like, okay, yeah, he is going to be inconsistent from time to time. But you can't argue that in literally the biggest moments, he's almost answered the call every single damn time. It's an incredible playoff run that he's putting together. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, 
we've seen it. I think that what's made it really impressive too. The interesting thing was in game three, he had a really good first half. He had 15 points in the first half to kind of get the bucks off to that good start, get that 15 point halftime lead. And then in the third, third quarter, even though the game was going back and forth a little bit, you know, he, he I think he only took three or four shots in the entire half uh, in game three. And he finishes with 18 points, 15 out of 18 in the first half, but drew holiday. And obviously Giannis were just really going off. And so, I mean, that's one of the things about having these three guys. Um, you know, I think at times, you know, like when we saw when Giannis was out, sometimes maybe it is easier for those guys to get in a rhythm when Giannis isn't around and, you know, they, they know that they're going to be getting touches and shots, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but what's, what's really been remarkable to me is the fact that Middleton and, and his biggest, you know, his biggest outbursts have come in these second halves, right? Um, you know, you just think about just some of the the third and fourth quarter performances, like in Atlanta. Um, you know, just single hand. I think it was what game three. I think he had the huge fourth quarter, um, and then uh, was it was it game three? Was the fourth quarter? And I think game three was uh, the fourth quarter. Game six, yeah, the third was the third quarter. Yeah, exactly. And so he can just kind of go from being like, ah, he's not having that great of a night, or he's okay, he's he's okay, to just having these explosions and popping up when the Bucks most need him and. Tonight, I think he had, I mean, you know, you don't score 40 points by doing it, you know, in just one, one shot, right? Um, I think he, what, had 14 in the fourth quarter. And I think he had 10 in the, I think he had, I want to say he had 16 at halftime. So really solid first half. He was 7 out of 15, so he didn't shoot it great in the first half. Like pretty much, I mean, that pretty much, you know, was the equivalent of being on fire for the Bucks, given how poorly they shot in the first half. But he was kind of that setting influence, as you said, in the first half. And then 10 points in the third quarter um, as the Bucks kind of, you know, kind of felt like uh, they were maybe going to have um, a little bit of a, a breakthrough. They, they take a lead uh, midway through the third quarter. But, you know, this game, it just, it just felt like they could not sustain the offensive consistency to, to really build up any type of, you know, any, any real lead until the very end of the game. And so, um, yeah, I mean, for him to, to come in and, um, I think it was in the fourth quarter. He got he got a he got a blow. Um, he went to the bench pretty early in the fourth quarter. I think, and I, I think Mike Breen commented that he did not look happy about it. And fortunately, <laughs> fortunately, maybe maybe that breather helped him. I don't know, but um, I thought the the really encouraging thing you can again you can question you know the Bucks not really involving Giannis a whole lot in the first half in particular, but you know in the fourth quarter when they needed buckets, it was that two man game that they went to time and time again. And with the way that the, the Suns were playing it and, you know, DeAndre Ayton was largely being the one guarding Giannis. Um, you knew that, that Chris was going to be able to get a look at uh, a decent mid range jumper because DeAndre Ayton wasn't going to come out. He wasn't going to switch uh, onto him when they ran those pick and rolls. So um, that's the broad bucks spread bread and butter. Tonight, you know, we've seen obviously at times it can be a weapon for getting Giannis loose. Didn't really happen as much tonight, obviously, but um, I thought Giannis did a great job kind of manufacturing points, uh, offensive rebounds. He got that big steal, et cetera. Um, but from the half court, man, with Drew Holiday firing blanks, it really was all about Chris. And I mean, it's still kind of amazing when you look at some of the numbers um, for this team. Maybe we can move to that. I, I'm going to ask you, like, what's your most surprising number on this in this box score? Because, I mean, just, you know, just looking at, like, the shooting percentage and some of the normal indicators of who's going to win a basketball game, um, 
you would not pick the Bucks to to come out on top. But once again, they won on the margins, and man, just some really. I, I mean, I'll let you go first. I've definitely got some numbers that I would uh, I would highlight as being very surprising and being pretty extreme, and and being some of the reasons why the Bucks won the game. But what, what jumped out to you? Well, before I get to this, I just have a little update here, Frank. I'm not sure if you've seen this. Uh, everyone's tweeting it out now, but our uh, our friend from uh, Brew Hoop, Gabe Stoltz, has tweeted out that Giannis said he left the game tonight because he needed to take a tinkle. So Giannis, maybe take a leak before the game, bro. Um, I, I'm not sure if that's correct, but it's a very, very funny, uh, it's a very funny answer nonetheless. Uh, as far as numbers that stand out to me. I'm sure you've got some of the team numbers. It sounds like that's the, the direction you're heading. But I, I think for me, the number that stands out or the player that stands out on the box score uh, is Chris Paul with the 10 points. Uh, he only had seven assists in this game against five turnovers. And we've spoken about this a lot. And look, he put on an absolute clinic in game one. He was completely in his bag, getting wherever he wanted, taking whatever shot he wanted, finding guys, completely dictating the Milwaukee defense uh, with the ball in his hands. And you can look at the inconsistency of Drew Holiday offensively. There's no doubt about that. 13 points, 4 for 20 from the field tonight, 0 for 5 from 3. And it wasn't just the jump shots that were missing. Again, Holiday missed a bunch of layups just at really, really crucial times that felt like they could have been backbreakers. But my goodness, he is putting on a show on the other end, on the defensive end. He's been all over Drew Holiday that as over Chris Paul, they actually moved him onto Devin Booker at stages tonight because he was cooking everyone as well. So I, I think the number that stands out for me, because when you look at it, yes, Holiday had a poor offensive night, but I still think the numbers game, you like it for the Bucs with Middleton and Giannis being able to carry the offensive load, you hope, compared to if you take Chris Paul out of the game and you force him to have turnovers like he was tonight, you give yourselves a really, really good chance, even on a night where Booker had 40 plus. Yeah, I, I mean, the number, one of the numbers I was going to say is Chris Paul's turnover numbers. We've talked yeah. about this and his numbers jumping. Chris Paul had as many turnovers as the entire Bucks team tonight. Five. <laughs> Chris Paul having five turnovers is a ton. The Bucks having five turnovers as a team is crazy. That is, I mean, it's a remarkable job by this team. And, and you could argue, well, yeah, they settled, they, they settled for a ton of mid-range <laughs> on the jump shots so maybe they, they they settled a little bit but um you know they still got to the line a bunch i mean they had they were plus eight in the paint points that's lower than what they've been having but you know it wasn't like they didn't go inside at all they got blocked a ton um Giannis ended up getting a block but at one point it was i think seven zero in the fourth quarter in terms of blocks um it just felt like when drew or, or chris was venturing into the paint they were just not finishing oftentimes and others as well um but yeah, the turnovers, which again, that has been such a strong suit of the Phoenix Suns. The fact that you've got, especially in crunch time, you've got two great ball handlers, guys that can operate the pick and roll, guys that can make shots from mid-range. They don't turn it over. And I mean, what a, you know, what a, a, a table turning tonight to see Phoenix turn it over 17 times versus five for the Bucks. And for Chris Paul to have five turnovers and to have that huge turnover with 32 seconds left in the pick and roll, loses control of the ball. And that sets the Bucks going the other way for Middleton to finish um, a very not easy left-handed finish against Devin Booker, who may well have fouled out for the second time in as many minutes uh, <laughs> on, on that play. But yeah, the turnovers were crazy. And, and you know, we talk about Bucks winning on the margins. And 
I'd say the turnover, the, the, the turnover margin night was wild. Um, but what, one thing that was not wild was the offensive rebounding. 33% offensive rebound rate versus just 14% for Phoenix, which, you know, this is in spite of the fact that DeAndre Ayton played 39 minutes and Brooke Lopez only played 19. I mean, they played small for a huge portion of this game with DeAndre Ayton allowing the Suns to play, you know, about as big as they normally play. But yet again, the Bucks just crashing the boards and using, um, you know, that they're, they, they know that they can't shoot for shit in the playoffs. <laughs> so they, they are wisely crashing the boards. Giannis with five offensive rebounds. P.J. Tucker, three offensive rebounds. Drew Holiday, three offensive rebounds. Pat Connaughton, three offensive rebounds. Nine rebounds total. Pat Connaughton, a game-high plus 21, 11 points. He's been so good in these playoffs. And, you know, I, I think of that play. I think it was Chris had a wide-open three when they were, I think, down 95-90. Pat crashes the board, immediate putback to make it 95-92. And, you know, we could probably, like, just rewind the entire fourth quarter and just kind of do go blow by blow, <laughs> blow by bow. Um, but immediately after that, uh, Chris Paul has the bad pass or not Emilia, but, but um, the, the kind of both teams then exchanged misses. And then Chris Paul has a bad pass. The teams go the other way. At 341 is when Devin Booker should have fouled out on that play with Drew Holiday at the other end. Bucks are down 95-92. Giannis, thankfully, is Johnny on the spot, or Yanni on the spot, and flips it right back up and in to make it 95-94. And then Suns call timeout. Next play down. Uh, Giannis swallows up Chris Paul, blocks him, driving to the basket, and Pat Connaughton, Pat friggin' Connaughton, <laughs> is in the corner. Giannis finds him wide open again. Phoenix was showing those extra bodies to Giannis, turning him into more of a playmaker, and thank goodness that the Bucks didn't shoot blanks all night and that Pat Connaughton hit that shot because that's what the Bucks, that's that gave the Bucks ultimately the 97-95 lead, and they did go down by two when Crowder um, got fouled off kind of a frustration foul from Giannis after Holiday missed a too quick of a jump shot thereafter. Um, but then it was the Middleton show and he hit those two shots. Two minutes left, he hits the mid-ranger from the right side. Then he hits another uh, step back shot to give them the lead. And then, of course, the Giannis block and it was history from there. So, man, so fun to see a team that was dog for not being clutch and especially against an opponent that everyone thinks has this huge advantage in crunch time. So fun to see this team rise to the occasion. Not only close it out, but they had to come back. They had to be resilient. They had to make big plays on both ends. And, you know, again, these guys, for, for as frustrating as they were for, you know, 42 minutes of this game, um, maybe longer, uh, again, they, they didn't, let, didn't let it phase them. And they ultimately came back and made plays on both ends. And, man, this game could easily, this series could easily be 3 1 right now. But, um, sometimes that's what can turn a series, right? You know, the, who, who wins these close games? You'll usually get at least a couple close games when you have teams so evenly matched. And thank goodness the Bucks won the first one. All right, Frank, let's talk about rockauto.com now because with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and then wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brands their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. So save time and money by using Rock Auto. You can, uh, why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or cart dealership? 
Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. All you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box Today? Now, we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And then jump across to betonline.ag. I have no idea what the betting markets would look like for this NBA Finals. I believe it's probably been a roller coaster ride. But along with the NBA, you can also find odds and info for all your sporting needs for MLB, futures for NFL as well, and UFC and MMA action. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On for that. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Not for the first time this postseason, Frank, that the Bucks' defense has been able to keep them in games, right? I mean, you pointed to the fact that you know, offensively, it didn't really feel like they had a lot going on. And it, it's kind of funny. Everyone always watches the Bucks and calls for two-man game. Giannis and Milton, Giannis and Milton, just go to it, go to it, go to it. They don't tend to go to it until the fourth quarter on repeat. And we've seen this time and time again throughout the season. They, they go to that Giannis and uh, Chris pick-and-roll two-man game. And uh, it generally provides uh, pretty good results for the Bucs, certainly did tonight. And Chris Middleton's ability just to sort of slink his way to that mid-range shot, just almost lull the defender to sleep and then rise up and knock down the mid-range has been money. And he hit a particularly big one to put the Bucs ahead from the free throw line. That was where he hit the, the go-ahead shot in Game 7 against Brooklyn as well. Uh, anytime he releases that free throw line, mid-range little fader, I always feel like it's going in. And it did uh, on this occasion. We haven't even spoken about the officials in this game, but when you talk about the resiliency of the Bucks, I, I think that we do need to point out that there was two, for me, there was two moments where I was like, oh my goodness, we're going to be talking about this and we're going to be furious after this game. The first one was with the shot clock winding down, Chris Paul has the ball in his hands. He's dribbling, he's dribbling, but there's only about five seconds left. And then Jay Crowder, built like an absolute brick shithouse, gets a pinky on him, I think, from Pat Connaughton and goes flying down the other end of the floor. Can't, can't even stop his momentum as he's just uh, shoved just aggressively from Connaughton. Shouldn't have been a foul. Everyone laughed at it. But it did give the Suns a second chance there. Uh, I believe they scored on that play. And that just felt like a frustrating moment for the Bucks, who at that point couldn't get over the hump. And then, of course, the Devin Booker situation. And I will say this. If you're a Phoenix Suns fan, I will acknowledge you're probably sitting there saying to yourself, well, you know, game three, DeAndre Ayton in foul trouble cost us. Game four, Devin Booker foul trouble potentially cost us as well. So they'll be saying that. But the no call on the Devin Booker, sixth foul, one of the most incredible things I've ever seen on the basketball floor. He literally just gave his body up and said, I'm just going to tackle Drew Holiday here because uh, he's going to score a layup, which by the way, was a terrible decision by Booker in the first place. He should have just let him score in that situation so he could stay in the game. The officials were just flat out scared, too scared to make the call on that play. They didn't do it. And when Booker scored on the next possession or a couple of possessions later on a little glasser, I was envisaging the Suns winning this game, Booker hitting a game winner, and that being the moment we discussed. And my goodness, am I thankful that that wasn't the case. But because what, I mean, what a disgrace. What a disgrace that no call was. Uh, that was pathetic. I mean, in hindsight, I'm, I'm glad it happened just because. Um, you think the Bucks got a, a, a good rub after that? Because I, I, I think. No, 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 no. 
I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I'm not necessarily saying that. Yeah. I'm, I'm just glad that when there'll be, when, if there'll be discussions about bad calls that tomorrow, that'll be the most egregious one sure, that people sure. will look to. Yeah. Because I, I, I mean, I agree. I don't, I don't, I mean, I think if there was an advantage in the officiating um, in the first three quarters, I think it was to the Bucks' benefit. Mm. Um, you know, I think, I think we saw there were also like a couple like out of bounds plays in the fourth. I think there were a couple that probably should have been uh, that went to the Bucks' advantage that should have been Phoenix's. But then there was also, I think, campaign. I don't know if that was in the fourth quarter or not, but campaign got blocked on a play um, by Bobby Portis where it looked like it actually went off of campaign. And then, of course, you know, there's the no call on, on Booker arguably twice although the second one you know the second one was kind of one of those like marginal calls that oftentimes the referee will call if the guy misses um in this case Middleton made the shot so it was sort of academic and you know there was it was a big enough advantage at that point that you didn't feel you know it it wasn't like it, it was it was to tie the game and it should have been an and one or something like that um but but obviously um you know let's just say the officiating on on Devin Booker um you know may have left uh, something to be desired for both for both sides, <laughs> um, but you know ultimately I I thought I you know kind of speaking of Booker I think I think I said I don't know if I said it on this podcast or if it was just talking to people but I I said you know he's going to score 35 next game like I'm not you know if I'm a Suns fan like I'm confident he's coming back bouncing back he's a mentally tough dude he's you know he's had clunkers in the playoffs before and he generally responds really well and he did that again tonight. And, you know, you just, you, I think if you're a Bucks fan, you're just thankful that Chris Paul did not, <laughs> did not look like the Chris Paul of the first three games, you know, shooting all those mid range daggers. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I kind of wonder, was there something physically wrong with him? You know, he missed like a like five foot little push shot way short, you know, he just missed some really uncharacteristic stuff tonight. And um, you know, again, the turnovers I'm less surprised by because I mean that's that's three three straight games now where the Bucks Drew Holiday in particular really made life difficult on him and you know it got so bad for Chris Paul that I mean Bud just took Drew Drew off of <laughs> Chris Paul for for long stretches there because he was like all right you know what I, Drew I need to put you on Devin Booker and and try to make his life a little bit more difficult um, so yeah I mean uh, just <laughs> just a, a a wild game and, and, you know, this is always like the folly that we've, you know, we, we try to analyze these games. We try to predict what's going to happen next. And every game, it's just like a random assortment of things happen. Right. And, and again, some of these things are sustainable, repeatable things, right? Um, like the offensive rebounding generally has obviously been a huge advantage for the Bucks, and the turnovers have really flipped in the Bucks' favor here over the course of the series where they've been the team that's controlled the ball. And with all that ball pressure, um, the Bucks have suddenly begun the team that that has had the advantage in in the turnover margin, um, and also I mean the transition fifteen to nothing in transition in this game for the Bucks. Again, they looked awful in half in the half court, but again this is how you this is how you win on the margins. You get offensive rebounds, you take care of the ball, and when you can run, you run, and you you know you try to take advantage of that. And I thought for the for Phoenix, I think the downside of of Devin Booker having such a heater was there was a lot of standing around and watching Devin Booker do work and he was great, but it felt like other guys were pretty much just bystanders for long stretches of the night. And, um, you know, Aiton playing 39 minutes and finishing three out of nine for six points. Um, <laughs> you, you can't ask for a, you know, 
worse offensive performance, at least from, from DeAndre Ayton. Only one offensive rebound. He had a ton of defensive rebounds collecting all those bucks bricks. 16 of those did have five assists and three blocks. So, I mean, defensively, I thought he did a nice job. And they generally, as a team, did a better job um, showing bodies to Giannis. But, uh, you know, other than Devin Booker, I mean, you look up and down that box score, you know, Jay Crowder had a, a big free throw shooting night. Um, but other than that, you know, he was the only other guy to score more than 10 points. And Cam Johnson, four out of six, 10 points. Okay. He had his typical kind of Cam Johnson night, but, um, you know, just, just too much of the Devin Booker show. And, um, you know, I think Giannis was unfairly, you know, criticized. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't even want to call it criticism, right? But the whole talk of like, oh, does, is, is Giannis is too hard for other guys to be good when Giannis is going off after game two. I mean, this happens, this, this happens a lot in the NBA, right? Like this isn't like a, a Giannis specific thing or a Devin Booker thing. It's pretty common. Oftentimes when guys have big scoring nights, nobody else is doing anything. And you oftentimes don't win those games, right? I mean, we, we saw it, I think, early this season. Remember when Giannis was having all those low-scoring games and they would win, and then he would have his big games and they would lose? Like, that was sort of like the first, like, month or so of the season um, has, seemed to happen a lot. And I think people often kind of just, like, don't realize that, you know, it, it, it can't just be one guy. And, um, you know, I guess if you're this, looking at the story of this game, it was one guy for the Phoenix Suns, and it was two guys for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, with a little bit of help from others. And ultimately, you know, that, that's, that's what's taking the series back to Phoenix to tied 2-2. All right, I'm going to quickly mention our Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts, Chad Ford and Odyssey NBA experts, Brian Scalabrini and former General Manager Ryan McDonough. Our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections and trades your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. All you have to do is search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is the home for all sports, podcasts, music, and news that matters to you. Now, we have got the official pool report come back from the officials here after this game. Uh, James Capers, his first name's James, right? Have I just made that up? I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it's, I'm pretty sure it's right. James Capers, yeah. With three, so here's the question. With 3.38 left in the fourth quarter, Drew Holiday went up for a layup and it appeared as though there was significant contact from Devin Booker and no call was made. Was there enough contact for a foul to be called? Capers says during live play, I saw a clean sweep of the ball and thought it was no call. However, after seeing the replay, I now realize that I missed Booker's right arm around the waist of Holiday and it should have been a defensive foul on the play. So look... They probably look at the play and realize there's no way out of this one. We can't even we can't even twist this in any possible way. So we just need to admit we stuffed up. <laughs> Whatever the Bucks won, so it doesn't really matter. But yeah, yeah, you you missed that one, fellas. Uh, another quick number I have here. You mentioned the turnovers. Uh, that five turnovers today from the Bucks equals a season best. They had five turnovers at Brooklyn. Remember that game early January 18. Uh, they scored 123 points in that game, only had five turnovers. But the interesting note is uh, they've played Phoenix six times now this season. Four times they've had fewer than 10 turnovers, which is obviously is a pretty impressive number. And it does make you wonder. I mean, I look up and down the Phoenix roster in terms of the defensive guys that they have, and it's an impressive defensive team. They've been good all postseason, but the Bucks, for whatever reason, have been able to take care of the ball uh, against that team this season which is obviously significant and when you combine the second chance opportunities they're getting and not giving it away I thought on a night like tonight where Phoenix did look like they could they could break away with some of those Booker shots he was really getting hot it was the defense 
taking care of the ball and then using your size on the offensive glass that I think kept Milwaukee in it until Chris Milton arrived and Giannis arrived uh, late in this game. And interesting, we, uh, we spoke about Brook Lopez a lot on, on yesterday's pod or over the last couple of days, just the fact that I still think he's going to be a factor. I thought he was offensively. He came up with a really big tip in on a Giannis missed free throw at one point Chris, there. Christmas three, missed free throw. Oh, was it? It was a Chris Milton. Sorry. I yes. know. I know. Normally, I, I, Giannis, is, Giannis is the money uh, guy that you always get the tippins on. But yeah, it was actually Chris just rimmed it or just short-armed it. It was very harsh by me. I just assumed it was a missed free throw and it was Giannis. <laughs> so that's a real asshole move by me. But if you look at the box score, two for two for T, six for six for Lopez, five for five for Holiday, seven for eight for Chris. So that was the one miss. Giannis was four for eight in this one. Only eight free throws is interesting. But... Uh, again, I, I think when you talk about the offensive rebounding, Frank, it's it's the Bucks' ability to get offensive rebounds even when Brook Lopez isn't on the floor because they have got Tucker, obviously. They've got Giannis, Pat, these guys that will really crash the glass, Drew Holiday as well, as you mentioned. So we saw again that even on a night where Brook Lopez left the game early with foul trouble, they still have the size and they still have the ability to hit the glass and get themselves those extra possessions coming into this game they were leading the offensive rebounding count per game 13-7. to seven. So it's a factor, as it has been all season, all postseason long for Milwaukee. They're really doing damage on the glass. And again, that's one way you can keep yourself involved if you're going to continue to brick every single three just about that you attempt. Yeah, and I think, I mean, ultimately, the defense was a huge positive from this game, right? I mean, ultimately, yep. the defense, especially forcing turnovers, um, was what kept the Bucks in it when they were, you know, really struggling for for consistent half court offense. Um, that said, I mean, I thought there were still, you know, a, felt like a lot of breakdowns. I mean, ironically, it felt like they defended Booker generally pretty well. Like he, I, I think, especially early, he got to his spots. You know, not necessarily like finishing with layups and dunks, but he got really close to the basket on some of those pick and rolls and, and Brooke was hanging back, I think probably more than he should. But again, this is what the pressure that, that Aiton puts on you when he's rolling hard to the rim, you know, you can't step up too much or you're just going to get the ball thrown over top of you. And, um, you know, there, there were some breakdowns. Like I'm thinking of that Jay Crowder three in the first half where like, I think Brooke came back into the game after his foul trouble and Giannis didn't realize that he was supposed to now take Jay Crowder. And so it was like, I think it was like after a free throw or something, and literally, Phoenix just walks up into its sets up, sets up his offense, and Jay Crowder's got you know nobody within 15 feet of him, and they're just staring at him, knock down a three. I mean, there were definitely some breakdowns tonight defensively, but you know, ultimately, um, it, it's kind of funny, right? Like that when we think about this team, and um, and especially in a year where it seems like it's never been harder to play defense in the NBA, and the Bucks had, you know, their worst certainly by rankings-wise, their worst defensive season during the Bud era. It's pretty amazing that throughout these playoffs, what has it been that the Bucs can always rely on, right? It's their defense, right? Their defense has kept them in so many of these games where, um, where their offense has sputtered and, and been inconsistent for at least halves, and in, some, in a lot of cases, like full games, they just can't make jump shots. So um, pretty remarkable that that defense has so often managed to give them a chance to win these games. And then on top of that, um, doing it by being able to play different ways, right? I, I'm still, I'm, I'm not, maybe amazed isn't the right word, but I am a little surprised. Last game, Brooke doesn't play, you know, played basically 20 minutes, but Aiden only played 24 minutes, right? I thought, all right, if you're going to 
normal game, DeAndre Ayton's playing 40 minutes. You're going to need to have Brooke out there for a big chunk of that. And tonight it was kind of forced on them with the foul trouble early that they took Brooke out. But, I mean, again, if, if you're able to keep them off the boards and keep Ayton from, you know, eating <laughs> around the rim on switches and mismatches and, mis- mismatches and things like that, um, I mean, you got to give especially Giannis a ton of credit. Um, you know, everyone's going to talk about that block. That's one of the best blocks I've seen in my life. And especially, you know, I mean, in, in the grand scheme of, of importance, that's a top five block in NBA history. I don't know. Right. We're, we're still in the moment, but I don't know. Right. I mean, show me, you, you can give me the LeBron block, but give me five, give me, give me four other blocks that are more important in NBA history and have, you know, have bigger swings um, in terms of game outcomes and, and championship outcomes. Um, we'll all, we'll, we'll think about that, but the fact that he was able to, to match up with, with Aiton for so much of this game and, you know, really be able to, to prevent him from being a factor while also, you know, obviously he's always helping and doing stuff, um, to, to do switches and things like that. Although it really didn't feel like we saw Giannis being involved in nearly as much kind of pick and roll as usual. It didn't really feel like he was having to switch that much tonight. And you know, again, he's he's the ultimate Swiss Army knife defensively for this team. He does so much, and he can let them play whatever way they seemingly need to. And um, thank God he can <laughs> because they needed every bit of that tonight. They sure did. And we're heading to a game five for the third straight series with it all tied up at 2-2 for the second time this postseason. The Bucks have come back and won game three and four after dropping the first two. And yeah, I mean, we, we've mentioned it, but it, it's just remarkable this team when they've been under pressure, the way they've been able to respond just about every single time. Uh, we know that they blew that game five in Brooklyn and what felt like a season-ending loss in a game they controlled for the most part, that feels like forever ago now. But they'll have another opportunity in this game five, but they've certainly ensured that they are at least going to have one more game. Well, there's only going to be one more game at Fireside Forum, but they're going to get to come home uh, for a game six regardless, which um, is cool. It's really fun. Like we said, this was the game. If they lost this one and went down 3-1, we're talking on this pod about the fact that the season is most likely over. So now, uh, for the first time in this finals, the Phoenix Suns are the team that are under pressure. They haven't felt this so far, even coming into tonight. They probably felt pretty good about their chances. Now they go home in what is an absolute must-win game for Phoenix. So I look at this Suns team. I feel like they're the type of team that will respond. I don't think they're a squad that's going to panic right now. They've got an incredible home court advantage. There's no doubt about that. But this is a big opportunity for Milwaukee. They get a chance to take a 3-2 lead and head home. Two days again. Lots of rest. I'm not sure it necessarily helped the Bucs. I spent the last few days saying that they'll be fine. They'll be great. And still Giannis had to come off the floor with uh, two minutes into the game. Maybe he's too hydrated. Maybe he needs to look at his pregame hydration process so he doesn't need to take a leak uh, two minutes into the game. But we'll see. We'll see what happens in game five. But I'm just glad we're in this position, Frank. We can have a couple of days off here and come back after game five, chat about that, and hopefully... We're continuing the good mood. Yeah, there'll be a lot to talk about. I think, um, I, I think the the defense on Giannis. I think you should. I, I, you know, I, there, there's so many things we could talk for two hours about this game. Um, I think the defense on Giannis will, will be an interesting talking point. See what what kind of carryover there is with that. Um, and uh, man, again, Milwaukee. Uh, maybe I sound like a broken record, but 
<laughs> you only get to the NBA Finals <laughs> every once in a while. Hopefully, the next time won't be 50 years from now, as it was the last time. But enjoy this, revel in it, um, appreciate it. This this was a very different kind of win, obviously, than Game Three. Um, and every game from here on out is the most important game of the season. So, um, I, I you know I had literally um, a half dozen friends, some of whom I hadn't talked to in like a couple years text me basically doing welfare checks on me after this game. Um, thankfully they were positive ones cause the Hooks won the basketball game. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, it, it was maybe a little more dramatic than, than, than was, uh, comfortable, but, um, I hope you guys all got to enjoy it. I know there was rain early, you know, earlier in the deer district. Thankfully they still had a huge turnout. The, crowd at least again on tv seemed amazing um i definitely want to hear what you and what, what what justin has to say about it when justin's on next um i think mike breen commented that the building felt like it was shaking in the fourth quarter at various points um but again just uh you feel just so good for the players and and everybody who's who's out there watching and cheering this team on that you know again this ride is uh is not quite over yet and the bucks uh even when it feels like they're kind of digging their own grave at times. <laughs> they uh, they just keep showing the ability to um, to climb out of it, claw their way back in, and uh, and find a way to win. And um, again, um, I, I I don't I don't I never I never know how much to make of momentum in series like this. But um, obviously, this is the first game where uh, the first game since really probably op- the opening game. I feel like where all the pressure was on is on Phoenix now to, to respond in game five. And uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe we, maybe we can talk about the Bucks and their ability to maybe not play so great when the pressure is, is slightly off. Uh, but uh, to watch them win these last two games with all the pressure on and tonight overcome, maybe not the best performance offensively. It's a different kind of fun than game three, but sure, certainly a whole heck of a lot of fun and hope people are out there celebrating. Well, as you pointed to, we're going to have another podcast before that game five anyway. And uh, I agree. I mean, we could keep rolling here. There was plenty of things we didn't get to touch on, but hopefully we'll do that tomorrow. So make sure you keep an eye on your podcast feed. Uh, But for now, the Bucs win it. The NBA Finals are tied 2-2. Milwaukee are going to be in the NBA Finals. And we all knew. We've all been watching Milwaukee for long enough that we understood this was going to be as stressful as possible. And it was going to be a long-ass series. So here we are. It's heading at least six I still feel like it's probably going seven. We'll see. We'll be back tomorrow. So for Frank and myself, we'll catch you guys out.